Hello and welcome. Welcome back to an all new episode of the Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast. Of course, this is the show that takes a deep dive into the world of 80s cartoons and we look at a different episode from a different series each week. My name is Randy. I am your host on this episode today and um, today we're doing something a little bit different. Um, Just unfortunately schedules didn't mesh up right so I'm flying solo this week so I'm going to take a little opportunity here just to do a a different kind of an episode for you. So we're just going to do things a little differently this week but before we get into the topic of today's episode of course let's just go ahead and get some of the housekeeping out of the way. Of course Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast is a production of Geek World Order and this year 2020 Geek World Order celebrates its 10th anniversary. Uh, We're going to really dig deeper into that and bring you more as we go along there. The site's anniversary is July. But of course, the the, the website started in 2010 and has been really taken off from there, man. And of course, our mission is to bring the uh, the latest and greatest in geeky content to, to you guys and that's really the big focus of 2020 is really gearing towards content and you know celebrating and highlighting content that is made by geeks for geeks and that's really where we're focusing on uh, of course totally radical cartoon podcast is sort of the extension of that really kind of the next level of that bringing our own content you know not only showcasing content of others creating our own content as well so check us out at geekworldorder.com. Uh, social media-wise, of course, we have Facebook. You can look up both Geek World Order and Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast. So, of course, give the old uh, like to those pages. You know, like, comment, all of the good stuff on our posts. Because that's how you help uh, make these pages grow and really help the community is by engaging with the content on those pages. So definitely really gonna work try to get some things to of course get some new subscribers on the facebook pages so stay tuned for that got some ideas cooking and uh just need to see how the execution on that goes uh facebook uh instagram twitter both are at geek world order check us out there as well and of course all of the major content podcast providers itunes stitcher spotify iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, all those good things. Google Play. So if you can find us, Spotify, Stitcher, find us. Give us a subscribe. Get the episodes downloaded directly to your device of choice through your provider of choice. And of course, give us that five-star review. Give us the text rating because that's how podcasts grow through the algorithms. And just do you know anything you can. Of course, tell your friends. Like, you know, Invite your friends to the social media pages, Facebook pages. Uh, go on, you know, go through this, the page there. You can do the mass invite of all your friends. Would totally appreciate that. Uh, so let's get into today's episode. So I thought I would take a little bit of time today and go over my top five 80s cartoon series. So this is as of right now. This is as of January 2020. And this list may change as we rediscover some series and we go through reviewing the episodes. But as of right now, I think this is my solid top five list. Uh, 
So let's go through and take a look at these here. Uh, and of course, we're going to go through the five to one order. So number five on that list is going to be Ch -ch 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 Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers. Man, I love this series. This is such a fun series and really a highlight of the Disney afternoon block. Of course, for those who may not know, Chippendale's Rescue Rangers is, of course, a, a at the time, in the 80s, it was a modern interpretation of the classic characters Chip and Dale, giving them very distinct personalities, making them mystery, crime-solving detectives. But they're not alone. They're, of course, joined by Gadget Hackwrench, Monterey Jack, and Zipper. And through every week, they're adventures take them through the insane cast of characters and villains uh great villains like fat cat the mafia boss cat and oh man I... really this is one of those shows that really i have loved since the beginning i think we've made no mention of it um as a child i think one of my earliest character crushes was of course on gadget because dude the and really, as an adult, man, I've really grown to appreciate Gadget because she is just kind of one of those oblivious, nerdy girls that just captures your heart, man. And so cool, really getting to re-experience some of the Disney World adventures. Because um, I actually just bought a Disney World annual pass a few weeks ago, and I've gone a couple of times now. And so I'm getting in all the fun Disney stuff, like the pin collecting and actually one of the first pins I bought, which actually the first Disney Park pin I bought was a pin of Gadget. So cool. Um, Man, this show absolutely takes me back, dude. Rescue Ranger, I mean, come on. Start with the theme song, dude. That theme has to be one of the best cartoon theme songs of the 80s, man. And definitely one of the best for the Disney block. Um, I know DuckTales is another one that's up there. And personally for me, those are my two favorites of the Disney afternoon block. But really everything, like from music to theme songs from the Disney, um, you know, animation blocks are so fantastic. Because really Disney in and of themselves are just masters of music because really any disney thing they go down to fine detail i know i've mentioned this before but i love the fact that disney is so attentive to detail when it comes to their music that when you look at the animated features that especially a lot of those 80s and 90s ones even going through today the renaissance period of disney they're so meticulous because what Disney does is they make their songs and they write them in such a way that, especially in their feature films that take um, more cultural things, um, like Beauty and the Beast, for example, is, is one here. Um, the setting of that is it's set in France. Everything is very French. Now, when they translate the songs for that movie into French, they work both in English and French. Everything lines up with the music perfectly. And they're very meticulous in getting the details right. So really, 
that's just one of those things that I love about Disney. And really, stuff like these action-adventure cartoon blocks, like Chippendale, Gummy Bears, DuckTales, they all have these just great themes that really go with the show. And there's just so many great things about Chippendale. The characters are great. Of course, you have Chip and Dale, whose costumes are based on, uh, Chips is based on Indiana Jones, Dale's is based on Magnum P.I. So, really fun, like, those little nods to the action, adventure, um, crime, and mysteries, really great. And, of course, the dynamic between Chip and Dale is very modernized at the time, they still... They have that arguing dynamic, but deep down they still care about each other, yeah, you know, for the most part. And really, even when you add in the characters like Gadget and Monterey and Zipper, it's just a fantastic experience overall. Like I said, I could go on and on all day about Gadget. Uh, Monterey, dude, he is like, of course, the muscle of the group. He gets the one-liners, and of course, he's got his... Uh, cheese addiction problem oh oh Monty you and your cheese oh man and even Zipper gets some great screen time on in a number of episodes so really overall I love this show it's a great group of characters so for me that's the number five spot here all right so moving on to number four which is a property that is now owned by Disney. So more of that Disney connection here, but it's, but at the time it was owned by Disney. So there's that, but so for the number four spot here, we're going to go with Muppet Babies. And I know this is a weird choice for me because I have loved this series. Like as a kid, this was just amazing because it was so imaginative is the best thing because really it's just a show about babies and toddlers and really they're experiencing the world they're using their imagination they're you know they're really creating art and exploring the imagination and this is just an absolute great message for kids and honestly, I think the intent of the show in using your imagination, being creative, that sticks around even to this day. And honestly, you can watch these. If you're a child of the 80s and if you have kids, you can sit your kids down and watch the original Muppet Babies and they can still learn the same lessons from the episodes that we learn from them as kids ourselves and really that is an absolute amazing thing but this whole show is just absolutely imaginative and I think that's why it captured our hearts as kids it was really a fun romp you know the way they animated the show oh man I some of the stuff like they do Star Trek and Star Wars, uh, Arabian Nights. Really, when they take on some of these classic themes, 
and they kind of pull the camera back, so to say, and they're just, you know, kids playing with toys and what they can find as props and just how they animate, how they're imagining it. It's just absolutely beautiful. And this is a weird thing for me, like the humor, just everything works in this series for me. But on the other hand, I hate the Muppets. This, whatever the old, the older Muppets, the adult Muppets, you know, the puppet stuff, whatever you want to call it, I don't like it. Like, for me, the humor is very dry. Like, and it's very much an old school, like, 50-ish, 50, 60-ish kind of stage humor. Um, oh... Like, for me, I don't like the adult Muppets. I never have. Oh, those two old guys in the theater, Waldorf and Statler, the heckling. I don't know. It's just very... When I try to watch the Muppets, I feel like it's dated. Like, I don't even like the movies. Like, I've tried watching, like, Muppet Treasure Island and Muppet Christmas Carol. And I know I'm going to take flack for this, but... I don't like any of it. I cannot stand the Muppets at all. To me, the humor in the Muppets is boring. It does. Anytime I try to watch an episode of like the old school Muppet show, it puts me to sleep. But for some reason, this show that this aimed for children and even younger children at that like preschool age children probably this show i feel muppet babies is the superior form of muppets and there was just something about it that worked the way the characters play off of each other and interact and have fun and there are some crazy things in that show you notice as an adult like sort of the weird um weird triangle thing between gonzo and kermit and baby muppet piggy there's some weird dynamics going on there that who buddy as an adult you go oh oh that's weird man what can i say though man i love this show like even from the beginning you gotta mention the theme song and really the theme song sets the, you know, it really sets the stage for what's going to happen in the show. Because it really kind of plays on that dynamic of them being imaginative, being creative, and just, dude, absolutely stunning. Of course, the visuals. And you get a good sense of the show by the visuals in the theme. So the intro is is great of course you got that catchy song you've got those visuals is an absolute great package and overall i feel that it really adds to the show so for me that's going to take the number four spot <sighs> all right and moving on to number three on our list today is teenage mutant ninja turtles and this show is 
kind of a weird divide because one, I don't know, oh man, because this show lasted from like 87, I believe, to 96. So this show really spanned two decades. And honestly, it kind of grew and changed as the franchise evolved. Um, Because as you went along, you end up getting characters added in from the movies. I know late, like the 90s seasons end up adding like Toka and Razor from uh, Secret of the Ooze. Um, Different things evolving as the dynamics of the shredder came into play so it was absolutely amazing series and of course the theme song is definitely one of those top theme songs in 80s cartoons and of course it's one of those that basically tells you the show of course it describes the four turtles in detail leonardo leads donatello does machines Raphael is cool but crude, and Michelangelo is a party dude. And honestly, this show really had a great dynamic mix of villains. Of course, your main heroes, there's the four of them, you know, plus April and Master Splinter. But the villains are where this show really took off because, of course, you've got the Shredder, who fantastically voiced by uncle phil oh man james avery wow (laughs) was blanking there for a second but dude it's just so funny to hear uncle phil's voice coming out of this you know evil villain ninja but so cool by them but i think the just kind of where it went through and introduced all these great villains um, you got Baxter Stockman, who became this fly monster through kind of just his involvement with Shredder and Krang in the foot. And it's kind of a tragic story, really. Uh, and you've got guys like, you've got the Rat King. You've got all these different villains that are just so over the top and charismatic. Of course, you've got Bebop and Rocksteady. And then you've got some additional heroes like uh, this actually draws on the lore of Usagi Yojimbo, the samurai rabbit. So really just that mix of characters, um, adding Casey Jones in. And this is one of those ones that so many good characters and a great toy line, man. Ninja Turtles, not gonna lie, I had the Turtles as a kid, and I had a lot of them, dude. I had a lot of characters, and somewhere along the way, end up getting rid of the collection. That's kind of the one I regret getting rid of. Uh, granted, I also get, I also kind of regret getting rid of my Power Rangers collection as a kid. Uh, not so much the Rangers, the actual the Zords themselves, because. I love robots and combining robots are amazing. Um, but yeah, dude, Ninja Turtles, man, I love this show. Cause, oh, dude, and the, the turtles themselves are great. Of course, you've got great voice actors. Uh, of course, you've got the legendary 
Oh, man. Rob Paulson in the show. Absolutely fantastic legend of the industry. Oh, dude. What can I say about this show? I absolutely love it. So much great action. Really good animation. Great toy line. So I think for me, that's why this series takes number three for me right now. Oh, man. So let's move on to number two. And if you know me, you probably know what these, what numbers two and one are. But let's just go ahead and talk about them. So for me, number two, G.I. Joe, the real American hero. Oh, man. This is one of my favorite everythings, dude. Amazing toy line, awesome cartoon, kick-ass cartoon. And, of course, you've got the intro that's absolutely amazing. Of course, you've got to to really do it right. You've got to have two people to sing it. So it's got that great two-person mini. The series is amazing. So, So many great characters in that. Man. And of course, for me, G.I. Joe always makes me think of my father. Because, as we've mentioned on the show, my favorite G.I. Joe is Shipwreck. He's an absolute badass. And of course, Shipwreck being a Navy guy always makes me think of my father because my father was Navy. And it was so cool. Uh, I wish I'd gotten more chance to... You know, learn more about my father's Navy stories and kind of talk to him more. Unfortunately, my dad did pass when I was 14, so I didn't really get to get that quality time when I was older to really sit down and listen to his stories. That's something I really wish I could have done now. Uh, but really, anytime I get a chance to talk to someone and who's been Navy and think about them, it really makes me think of my dad. But G.I. Joe has so many connections to me. Like, so, And, of course, G.I. Joe is one of the toy collections. I still have my original toys. I mean, really, the only things I've gotten rid of were a number of the vehicles because they did kind of break down and lose pieces and start breaking. I've got a few. Like, I've kind of been rebuilding the collection Slowly but surely, of course, adding Joes I haven't had. Oh, man. But for me, there's so many great things about G.I. Joe. Another one is uh, costuming and cosplaying. So my my first like real cosplay that I ever did, and I still do to this day, is Shipwreck. Because it was actually a very easy costume to put together. It was all military surplus. So I was easily able to do this costume entirely on eBay. And through and of course in a roundabout way, the costuming eventually led me to a group called The Finest, a G.I. Joe costume club. And they are an excellent organization. They actually raise money for um charity. The main charity they support is a group called Canines for Warriors. And what Canines for Warriors does is they actually take dogs, you know, they get them from the rescue shelters, and they put them through a training program 
that allows them to be the assistant dogs for veterans, you know, who have PTSD, who have, you know, their various issues from their tours of combat and need an animal assistant to help them in their day-to-day lives. And I know last year in 2019, I believe they raised, you know, and this is across the country and there's even some international chapters in of the finest, but last year's totals were around the $25,000 mark, which is an absolutely incredible feat for a fan organization. And really it's for the love of the, you know, costuming and, just this great charity that goes through it that really helps support the veterans. Uh, I know our Florida group does a lot of shows in costume, and it's great. Oh, man. So, yeah, that's really the fun thing about this community is costuming. Uh, I know it's my favorite thing to costume out of is G.I. Joe. Um, There's some great... I've definitely had some great memories because of this cartoon franchise. Um, I know hopefully in the a uh, couple months from now is the big uh, photo shoot at the USS Yorktown in South Carolina. I'm definitely looking forward to that. I'm making the plans to get out there later this year for it. Um, but it's so cool to be able to go onto a, car- uh, a carrier like that, take some great photos. And just be, you know, real-life G.I. Joes for a day. So much fun. But, dude, everything... This is probably one of those things that really kept me into toy collecting and things like that through the years is still having my G.I. Joe collection from when I was a child. Like I said, I still have most of my original figures. I've finally figured out the tricks to refurbish them figured out you know how to replace the o-rings and everything in them and oh dude i'm definitely excited for the future of the franchise of course there's the rumors of the uh six inch um kind of like star wars black series-esque figures you know in line with the marvel legends things like that so i am very much looking forward to this franchise coming back it's sort of gone in and out through the years um there's definitely been the different incarnations of it uh, the 90s had the G.I. Joe Extreme when, at the same time Beast Wars was airing. Uh, I've actually gone back and watched a few episodes of it. It's an interesting cartoon. I definitely would like to give it a full rewatch and a kind of a fair shake. And even then, the the show has kind of evolved with the times. There's there, in the newest series, uh, Renegades, which ended, oh, got to be close to 10 years ago now. Yeah, because that was airing around the same time transformers prime was and oh yeah that's been a while but that was even a different take on itself it was kind of a smaller team sort of an a-team style story where they're kind of on the run for crimes they didn't commit basically they got accused of crimes by cobra but really the series has kind of gone in waves like a lot of times there hasn't been a direct sequel afterwards because um, you had the original cartoon, um, then the movie, and then the Deke series a, a couple years after that even. So a couple years in between that and G.I. Joe Extreme. And really, mostly radio silence until 
uh, Renegades, and of course, G.I. Joe Resolute, which was another fantastic modern take on the series. Uh, it was a movie that actually debuted as like a 10-part web series on Toonami's website, I believe it was. And this was a very gritty reboot of G.I. Joe. It was dark, a lot of violence. Characters actually died in it. Excellent retelling. Um, so many great things. And and I even like some of the, like the 90s Deke series. There's a couple episodes that are really good. I know there's a lot of stuff in there that really takes flack and no there there are some bad stuff i'm looking at you kindergarten commandos but there are some great episodes like the two-part episode with the headman the drug storyline like that's you know epitome of like 90s you know drug psas but very good episode but i think one of the, of course, 1989 also had the Operation Dragonfire miniseries, which actually introduced the character of Scoop, which is the character I am most known for cosplaying because I like, oh, hey, that's a journalist. And of course, with Geek World Order, I carry a lot of gear for my camera and stuff. And that was the reason I did the Scoop cosplay was to basically be able to experience costuming and be able to carry around my gear at the same time. So, yeah, I wanted a very functional costume. And for me, that is definitely one of those things. So, G.I. Joe is really kind of responsible for me getting into costuming and cosplay. And so there's definitely a lot of sentimental reasons why G.I. Joe was so high on my list. Aside from the great characters and the animation and just the crazy storylines i mean uh speaking of cosplay and conventioning uh of course there's the gi joe episode my brother's keeper where cobra tries to recruit the scientist who is actually disabled uh they're trying to create this weapon and they say that they'll you know genetically engineer this guy to give him his ability to walk back and where cobra recruits him is at a convention so you've got, you know, Dr. Mindbender, who's who's basically shirtless wearing a cape. You've got the Dreadnoughts. And you've got Sergeant Slaughter and Sci-Fi trying to stop them. And the convention goers think this is just an elaborate, like, stage show, an act, something that was actually part of the convention. And it just, as an adult, I lost it when one guy just said, Oh, wow. Last year's show was so much better than this. Dude, I died. I was laughing my butt off because I'm like, oh my gosh. This is how people actually complain about conventions in the 2010s. When I made this comment to myself, I was just like, okay, that was amazing. When you So when you can go back and get just these little moments that we can appreciate now, and that I can appreciate as an adult going in, you know, going to conventions. And I was just like, dude, this moment right here, that's what I'm talking about. That's the fun stuff. Oh, man. I, and that's why I love exploring the show. And sort of one of the reasons I wanted to make this podcast is that, 
you know, I wanted to go find those moments and see what these cartoons were like as an adult. And I know I watched a lot of these shows as a kid, but I don't remember a lot of the shows. So kind of going back and re-exploring all these shows and just taking these little nuggets like that, those moments where you go, as an adult, you go, okay, there's what's hidden. Because I know at some point, you know, we watch these cartoons and our parents watch them with us. And that's definitely a thing. I'm sure kind of like, I hear that from my friends all the time where you're going through, you're watching these cartoons and they get to pick out the moments and they get to, you know, kind of share their memories with their kids. I don't have kids myself, not particularly planning on having any, but if I did, I would definitely be showing them these cartoons and introducing to the various incarnations of the cartoons and all these fun things dude i i get it i get it and that's kind of why i wanted to start this podcast like i said is just to re-explore all that and find these little nuggets of just absolutely golden moments and it's really brought the joy back to me in these cartoons i love 80s cartoons man I mean, if you can't tell already through the first, you know, 20 some odd episodes we've done of this show, but, but that's why we do it, man. Just to really relive that nostalgia. All right. So number one, y'all have any guesses yet? Uh, I'll give you a minute. But yeah, no, if you haven't figured it out by now, my number one 80s cartoon is the Transformers. That's right. I mean, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it in my in the first episode that we did of the series. And that was by design, of course. You know, first episode, I had to do my favorite series, Transformers, more than meets the eye. And for me, this really combines a lot of things I love. You've got the sci-fi elements, you've got giant robots lasers and battles and man oh and of course the toys this is one of the greatest things i experienced in my life i love transformers has been my favorite toy line just from the beginning and oh dude so much fun. Just a great concept. Robot turns into a vehicle. You know, and there have been times throughout the line where, especially for some reason when they started the live action movies, 2009, 2010, ooh. Yeah, for some reason those toys were complicated, so they were like puzzles. But dude transformers man i even to this day like once i try to watch as much as possible i know when the dvds came out a while back i've done a full series rewatch usually at least once a year to every 18 months and through it all so many great characters 
And of course, I cannot, I definitely have to mention my favorite. If I haven't mentioned it before, Jazz is my favorite Transformer of all time. The original, the G1, smooth, sophisticated. He's cool, bro. Like, Jazz is everything I want to be as a person. Just smooth, outgoing, entertaining. Man. Oh, dude. Favorite character of all time. And unfortunately, the voice actor, Scatman Crothers, unfortunately passed away very shortly after I was born. Uh, sometime around after the Transformers movie was finished filming. Um, he, he's definitely one that, um, if the opportunity had, had been available, I would have loved to meet him at a convention. Of course. And before that, he he is actually a very accomplished jazz musician, Scatman Crothers. I've actually found a good chunk of his music on YouTube and and I've been able to, you know, explore that facet and, you know, just discover his music and enjoy it. Just have that little bit of, you know, something to hold on to. Oh, man. But Transformers, man, throughout the years, and, oh, you know, I do have to mention, I actually have a tattoo of Jazz on my right forearm. So I've definitely got the love for that character and just awesome. I know, I've always wondered, because I know, it's very been, for me, there's always been that weird question of who was actually second in command of the Autobots after Optimus Prime? Um, I think early cartoon in season one really gives strong indicators that it could be either Jazz, Ironhide, or Prowl. And they seem to kind of rotate them in and out. They seem to be maybe Prime's highest ranking lieutenants that he can kind of trust any of them, you know, with taking care of the forces. But for me, I always hope Jazz would be, you know, the official second in command. I mean, there's a little bit of bias and favoritism there, but yeah, that's just me. But dude, I love jazz. Favorite character of all time. But dude, throughout the years, man, I have maintained my Transformers collection. I have continued to collect. Oh man, even through like all the new stuff, all the Neo G ones, the classics, generations, um, War for Cybertron. Oh. Wow, why am I blanking on these collection names? The Combiner Wars, War for Cybertron Siege, uh, the upcoming Earthrise collection. So many great reimaginings of all these characters and staying true to the roots of the series and the original designs of these characters. And Transformers has been... That one franchise where there has not been a lull, like pretty much consistently from 1984 forward, there has been a consistent Transformers presence on toy shelves. Of course, you had the G1s. There was some stuff that still stayed on the shelf through after the cartoon ended. You had the Micro Masters, the Action Masters. Uh, you had G2 in the early 90s, kind of 
revitalizing the franchise. Beast Wars. Oh, man. Beast Wars, man, is such a great take on Transformers. Um, the CGI and the budgets uh, and the kind of expenses involved in CGI in 1996 kind of forced the writers to do a smaller cast, but it really allowed the characters to have more development, more growth. But the toy line was amazing. I love Beast Wars. That's actually a collection that I realized it's not going to take me a lot to complete it. So I think maybe over the next year or two, I'm going to try to fill in the gaps in that collection and hopefully have a very near complete Beast Wars collection. You know, maybe some minus the expensive Botcon figures. Unless I just happen to find some great steals along the way. But I love Beast Wars. Now, I'm actually one of the few fans that actually enjoys Beast Machines. I enjoy the series. I enjoy that. I like the fact that they took a risk and went very dark with the storytelling and what they did with it. And even from there, like, once Beast Machines was finished, they went right into the first Robots in Disguise series and then straight into the uh, trilogy, Armada, Cybertron, Energon, right after, and then after that, Animated, Prime, although I don't like Transformers Prime. I think that's probably my least favorite. And then... Um, the others that have been past that, but more or less since the beginning, there has been at least a toy presence on the shelf, if not a cartoon presence. So Transformers has actually been the franchise that has really survived the test of time. Like I said, some of these other series, like uh, Ninja Turtles has kind of gone, is probably second place in that. They've kind of been on and off, have mostly had a, TV presence and toy presence, you know, maybe a couple couple of years gaps here and there at a time. But Transformers has absolutely stood the test of time. And I love that. Like I said, it's a little biased because it's my favorite series. But just so many good memories for me. Transformers is that show that I can throw on in the background. I can have it on as you know background noise while I'm doing something you know now when it comes to movie wise I'd actually flip the two but we'll get into the cartoon movies another day but I love both Transformers the movie I love G.I. Joe the movie I know that one gets a lot of flack too I understand it but G.I. Joe the movie is so bat crap insane that I love it but I love Transformers the movie also it's definitely one of those ones I watch several times a year at least. And it's another one I can just throw on. You know, I've got all the collector's editions. But dude, Transformers, man, has just been a part of my life so much. Um, I know for a number of times, for a number of years on message boards and forums, I went by the user handle Autobot Jazz. I think I still use that name for some sites to log in and things like that. You know, I've had an online presence around that name. Uh, so, and I also have a tattoo of the Autobot insignia. So yeah, a third of my tattoos are Transformers related. 
Um, so hopefully, but hopefully I'll get some more there. But really, this whole show, this franchise has just been so intertwined with my life and my experiences. You know, from the moment I got my first Transformer till now, you know, I still have my collection. Like I said, I've only gotten rid of a few, a handful, like G.I. Joe, I've only gotten rid of a handful of figures, mostly just due to breakage. And it's just, for me, it's just so fun. It's a fun series. I love it. And just because it's been so much a part of my life constantly, you know, even when you have those years in your teenage years where you're like, oh, you, you don't tell people that you still have the your collection, but you still have it. Still had it. Never got rid of my collection. You know, and of course, when DVDs became a thing and they started putting stuff, you know, cart, you know, TV series on DVD. I had to get them yes yeah, so back in the days when dvd box sets were oh geez these things were probably like 80 bucks a piece a season dude i had to do it uh like transformers is the series that if there are new figures and i'm like if there's any inclination i want them i'm gonna drop the money because that's the effect that series has had on me. And I, you know, can't deny it. Love Transformers, dude. Absolutely my favorite. Uh, so there you have it, folks. There are my top five 80s cartoon franchises right now. Like I said, this could change by the time we get a couple years into the series. Maybe we reevaluate this down the road. But for right now, those are my favorites. Uh, so for those of you who've gotten this far, thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for taking this journey with me and kind of letting me let you know what's going on here, kind of get a better understanding of myself and why I do this show and why I love these 80s cartoons. Uh, so once again, geekworldorder.com, uh, Facebook, look up Geek World Order and Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast. Instagram and Twitter, both at Geekwell Order. Of course, all of the major podcast providers. And until then, uh, we'll see you next time, folks. <laughs>